O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us heartily rejoice in the strength of our salvation. Let us come before His presence with thanksgiving and show ourselves glad in Him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. From the 95th Psalm, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. There are many messages which could be proclaimed on Christ the King Sunday. The good of having a a recurring calendar and lectionary is that there is plenty of time for those messages to be preached. And I will preach them through the years, but today I mean to proclaim only one. And that is this, that you and I as citizens of the kingdom of God under the rule of Christ the King are a people who have been and are being continually sanctified in the truth. We don't often think of the relationship between kingship and truth, but it is an important one. A few weeks earlier, I spent some time considering the Lord Jesus Christ as the perfect philosopher king in the very vision of Plato, but also in the vision of the Old Testament prophets. According to Plato, if a son, if one son of a king were a philosopher, and had obedient citizens, he might bring the ideal polity into being. Read that again. If one son of a king were a philosopher, and he had obedient citizens, he might bring the ideal polity into being. The very son David sees seated upon the throne, a throne he call, a son he calls Lord, is a king to whom all the nations of the earth become subservient, his enemies under his feet, all things in subjection under him. We know in the revelation of Jesus Christ that it is not just a new world government that is being put in place, but what we ourselves have known and what we look forward to being known universally, an obedience to the truth. It is worth noting that in Plato, as it was for the prophets, the philosopher king, this philosopher king, would not would by necessity live a humble life, devoted to the truth, devoted to justice, devoted to his subjects. Not wearing big golden crowns all the time, not, uh, not doing all the kinds of things that kings do, but pursuing living in the truth. And it is for that reason that I want to say this morning, let us not grow weary in the pursuit of the truth, my brothers and sisters. We live in a very confused time. We walk in a time in which the truth is malleable, in which there is a temptation to lie to power, to lie to those whom we do not wish to offend, to lie even to ourselves. One can hardly pick up a newspaper or flip on the TV without immediately hearing lies. The great Russian author Alexander Solzhenitsyn drew attention to this in his Gulag Archipelago. He was surrounded, hounded by the temptation to lie. But he believed as an Orthodox Christian that lies simply cover up a heart full of violence. It means that our hot tempers are exalted above any desire we have for the truth. And when that happens, when we prefer violence, when we prefer our tempers, when we prefer to be impetuous, We begin to conceal all of that behind lies. It's kind of like this. 
risk of being too forward. I want to be president. And I want violence against my enemies. So I'm just going to lie to you. I want this guy to be president. And so I'm going to lie. I want to be president. So I'm just going to lie. I want power. I want this. I want that. I don't want to do that. And this is very useful when nefarious forces of malevolence desire to gain control of us, to take away our freedom. Since we are willing to lie, to lie even to ourselves, we are easily controlled and we must not forget where lies have their origin. The father of lies. Solzhenitsyn wrote wrote this rather important uh, thing that I want to share with you this morning. He said once, you can resolve to live your life with integrity. Let your credo be this. Let the lie come into the world. Let it even triumph, but not through me. One of the most important important facets of living under the gracious and true kingship of the Lord Jesus Christ is that of, of living a true and truthful life. You might even say it is the most essential. I must recognize the truth of my own status before God, no matter how corrupted, no matter how awful, no matter how miserable. And I must recognize the truth of Jesus Christ delivered to the apostles, written in Holy Scripture, and continually proclaimed by the church. If I am to live and thrive, and by that I mean to become a saint, in the midst of terrible confusion, in the midst of those who will lie to me, in the midst of those who will want me to live by anything but the truth, I must decide to live my life with integrity. I must live by the truth. I must speak the truth. I must think the truth. I must live the truth. I must even eat the truth. Finally, if I would be saved, I must be a man of the truth. And if you would be saved, I must tell you the truth. Hear what Scripture says. The psalmist David writes in the the 43rd Psalm, Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. When God sends out His truth, when God sheds light, In the darkness, men and women are led into his dwelling place. He also says that the Lord delights in truth in the inward being. Isaiah says that truth stumbled in in public squares in his day and uprightness could not enter. John tells us, In the beginning of his gospel, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us, full, meaning replete, meaning covered completely in grace and truth, full of grace and truth. Jesus says that he came to call worshipers who would worship in what? Okay, it's time for call and response. Spirit and in truth. He says in chapter 8 of John's gospel, you will know the truth and the truth And I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
And he prays to the Father, and for their sake I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. Paul writes to the Thessalonians that those who perish, perish because they refused to love the truth and so be saved. And this is so concordant with Plato, who says that we must love the truth above literally every other thing. The true philosopher is one who puts the truth above money, above power, above their place in the academy, even above friendship. I mean, it's a sacred duty to love your friends. It is an even more sacred duty to love the truth and even to tell your friends the truth. And let me just cut to the chase here this morning. The Christian must not only cleave to the truth, not only to the revealed truth of Jesus Christ the King, but the truth about ourselves to the point where we will acknowledge the truth about ourselves no matter how painful it is. Because that's the cost of being able to say no and mean it when we're asked to lie. Because, beloved, lies will wreck your life. I know that personally. They will lead to a kind of dissonance in your inward character that will not only make you miserable, but will wreck the people around you. And there are daily temptations in this. When political partisanship drives you to say things that simply aren't true, to signal your membership in the tribe, in the party, to show that you are a true believer, a true member, to not only believe lies, but to spread them. When a variety of sins threaten to embarrass you and you choose your own ego over the truth, when people cry out for you to validate their erroneous views of themselves and of others in ways that severely undermine Christian doctrine and the revelation of God in Scripture, when you strive to survive at the cost of a lie, to live to fight another day, and you know the truth, you won't. And so again, you just say, easier to tell the lie. When all that happens, this desire to control and shape the outcomes of this life is the very violence of the kind of pride which marches right up to the throne of Jesus Christ and says, I believe you're sitting in my seat. Now, I want you to hear what I'm saying as well as what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that obedience to the truth requires us to leave charity behind. It does not. I will be quite clear on this. Truth and charity go together. You cannot love without truth, and you cannot know the truth without love. One of the problems with reads on uh, the gospel reading from today, which is wonderful, and I wish I could spend a whole sermon series speaking to it, is that it's very difficult to love Jesus Christ in your neighbor if you don't love the truth as well. Because love is the virtue to which every other virtue is subservient, but we are to love in truth. And it is for that reason that love requires us to tell the truth, because lies bring short-term peace and long-term pain. Pain you cannot imagine. 
I'm also not saying that any one of us should scorn those who persist in lies. Quite the opposite. We must continually look for the face of Jesus and those most distressing to us, especially our enemies. We must learn to be patient with the ignorant, because apart from the Lord's grace, you and I would be the same. I'm also not saying that you and I should go looking for trouble or to pick a fight. If we are a people of truth, believe me, the fight will come to us. The father of lies will pick enough fights for a lifetime. I mean to say that fidelity to the truth must drive that fight, and not belligerence, or what is often worse, a position in which we simply line up in the most extreme opposite position from that which is false. If correction is good, overcorrection is dangerous. We've been seeing this across the board in the world we live in in the past few weeks. People who are just so lit up and so partisan that they will just line up and they will go to the absolute opposite extreme of their enemies. Overcorrection is dangerous. And it's dangerous with regard to Christian doctrine as well. One of the great hallmarks of Anglican thought is that we must not overcorrect doctrine. (laughs) Richard Hooker, that great um, Anglican writer, was clear about this, that if you have someone with a fever, the, 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 the remedy is not to put them on ice. If you're going too far to one side of the road, the answer is not to go all the way to the other side, but to correct, to bring back into order. Today, I want to simply offer two means of living in the truth, of being sanctified in the truth as citizens of the kingdom of God and of Jesus Christ the King. The first is to commend to you total honesty before God about the current state of your life, your sin, your failings, your doubts, your fears, your angers. I often find that one of the most easy places to lie is when someone asks you, what are you angry about? And you say, I'm not angry. What would I have to be angry about? And yet inside you're a pit of fiery burning anger. And in that vein, I want to commend to you this practice of, spiritual, of, of sacramental confession, especially as we head into this Advent season. You might be struggling with a failing conscience, one that doubts rightly in your ability to perceive the truth, but worse, doubts the very forgiveness and mercy of God. And if that's you, get to confession. It will do you a lot of good. I've known people through the years who said to me, if I knew that it was like that, I wouldn't have spent those thousands and thousands of dollars on therapy. And I'm like, yeah, it's much better, and it's free. I mean, therapy has its place, please. Don't, don't misunderstand me there. But, but therapists aren't looking to expose the truth. They want you to do it and at your own pace. Sometimes what we need is just a place where we can just do it. The second is simple. We as a people must be devoted to the apostles' teaching, just as the church was in the second chapter of the Acts of the Apostles. Brothers and sisters, let us be a people who earnestly, humbly, and obediently seek the truth of Jesus Christ in Holy Scripture. We have this wonderful example in the teaching of this teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, which is read today, this eyewitness testimony of the resurrection given by the apostles to the risen Christ. 
Great care must be taken to avoid exalting our feeble opinions over and above the word of God. Great care must be taken to run from novel interpretations that simply conform to contemporary norms or our own expectations. Put another way, we must let Holy Scripture interrogate us. And in interrogating Scripture, when we do it, must earnestly ask good questions and avoid leaning leaning on our own understanding. Advent is a great time to jump back into the study of Holy Scripture as well as a regular examination of conscience and confession. And one practical reason for this is that the Daily Office Lectionary will reboot this coming Sunday. You have a week to prepare. We all get a do-over. If you relax in the keeping of the Daily Office, the whole year starts over. Another is simply this, that as you and I enter Advent, we will, yes, prepare to be judged by the one who is truth himself. We prepare to receive the wonderful unveiling of the Incarnate Son, played over and over and over again, year by year. But beloved, we also prepare to receive the Lord Jesus Christ in His coming to meet us. Individually, stepping into the fullness of our own time, breaking through the darkness, breaking through the lies, breaking through our misperceptions, to proclaim the truth to us. The truth that we are loved, yes. The truth that we have been redeemed and forgiven, yes. The truth that we are more than just cosmic orphans, yes. But perhaps it should be simply said that the true life, the life sanctified in the truth, the only life truly worth living, is a life of knowing and loving the truth in Jesus Jesus Christ, the King. At the end of the day, Jesus has only one vision for human life in general and for your life. One vision. It's himself. May we be led to deeper and greater obedience to him. May our lives be truthful And may the world know the truth and be set free. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.